Good morning and welcome to City Well Church. We are so glad that you decided to join us this morning. My name is Steph and this is Amy. Good morning. We have a great program online for your your kids. So if you've got little ones at home and um, looking for something for them to do, go on to our citywell.church page and check out the kids' resources. We have kid programs for the preschool as well as the elementary school ages. Um, There's also parent cues, so you can be involved in learning right beside your children and teaching them. They're gonna learn best from you as your parent, as their parents at home. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool stuff. So we are so uh, blessed by your generosity, and we just ask that you continue to be generous with us here at City Well Church. It takes generosity from people like you to be able to make things happen as a church here. So we are we're just encouraging you to join with us to be able to reach the community in Coatesville and beyond with the good news of Jesus. And if you're new here to Online Church, we'd love to engage with you. So let us know that you're here. You can like, comment, and share. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube. So we are on Facebook as well as YouTube. And you can subscribe there as well as ringing the bell so that you get those notifications. I need those. Right. I need those reminders. I know. I'm so grateful for that. I get like six reminders on Sunday mornings. Like... It's, it's from YouTube, from Facebook, from yes. the app, like all these options. Yes. Three times. The kids underfoot, it's easy to lose track yeah, of that time. Yeah, you can't time. go wrong. Right. More than there. If this is your first time joining us this morning, we want to welcome you. And we also want to encourage you to text the word NEW to 610-590-8550. That's going to send you a form to fill out that'll give us some information about you. And it'll also allow us to send you a gift to say thanks for joining us. Um, there's a really soft orange shirt in there that says City Well, and you want to have one of these because they're really soft, aren't they? They you are. Think they're really they're soft? very soft. They're just they're my super favorite soft. T-shirt. Yes. I love soft shirts. Yes. So make sure you fill that out. We're not going to harass you or stalk you or anything like that. So we want to just be able to say thanks. But if you've been here before, we also want you to text the word here to that same phone number to just let us know that you're joining us again this week. So just... So tomorrow's a holiday, a lot of places are closed. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to know if you work tomorrow. So are you working? I am not working tomorrow. No, I have off tomorrow. So yeah, but I know. Are you working tomorrow? I am. Yeah. I am. Only for a little while in the office. Okay. And a nice to set my own schedule once in a while. There you go. Yeah. So schools are closed, so I don't have to, I don't have to go out and drive. There you go. That's true. Yes. Very nice. So yeah, and I know some people... Um, do acts of service on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So if you're doing an act of service today, let us know what it is that you're doing to serve the community or serve other people today as well. Yeah. So we're going to be starting a new series here uh, coming up in two weeks. And this is going to be called Love Out Loud. And it is a continuation on our study in 1 John, but it's going to be about Christian love. And so we just encourage you to uh, invite some other people to join you to start this series and to just keep on with us as we move move through the book of First John. I know that I really like um, series that go through a whole book of the Bible. It's nice to see that it big is. picture of, you know, what scripture is saying in a book instead of just bits and pieces here and there. So these kind of series are one of my favorites to go through a book. So I don't know about you, but... Absolutely. Yeah. It makes it easier. Yeah. I understand. Yes. Yeah. So we hope that you'll join us for the next series starting here soon. 
Good morning. I'm Amy and this is Steph and we're so glad you're joining us this morning. Yeah, so if you have kids this morning, I encourage you just to hop onto the site citywell.church slash Sunday and there you're going to find resources for your children that are in elementary school or preschool aged kids so they can have something to do while you are watching the service also. And if you're joining us, we'd like to know that you're here. So we'd like to know if you're new, text the word new to 610-590-8550. And if you are joining us again and a regular attender, text the word here so that we know that you're present and joining us. Yeah. So today's message is going to be a little more intellectual than usual. So if you want notes to follow along, you can text the word notes to that normal phone number 610-850-8550 and you can get a copy of what we are talking about this morning. Um, I know it's, it's really helpful to have notes sometimes, especially if it's a little more, there's a lot of stuff packed in today's message. So make sure you send a text and get some notes to go along with today. So I'm just going to take some time to pray into this service this morning um, as we begin a time of worship. So, Jesus, we just thank you so much for our time here together. Um, even though we cannot uh, be meeting in person as a large gathering, um, we just thank you for uh, the gathering of people um, in different communities around the area. Um, so we just pray your blessing over each person that's watching and over each family. I pray that you help our hearts to just uh, be prepared uh, for what you have for us this morning. Um, open our, our hearts to hear from you. Um, help us to just learn more about you this morning. Um, we thank you that you speak to us each day. Uh, we ask that you um, just bless the rest of our time here together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
morning. Welcome to City Well Online. I'm, I'm DJ Grick. I'm the founding pastor here. I'm so glad you've joined us this morning. And I, I probably don't say this enough, but I wish we were in the same room right now. I, I love that we can use technology to connect with people. And I know we have families watching all over the place. We, know, we hear from people in Florida. We hear from people in northern Pennsylvania and beyond. And that's awesome. But technology is never going to replace the benefit of being in face-to-face relationship, being with other people. There's just a value about when you're in the same room. So we're going to keep working towards launching in-person services this fall. But during this season, we're going to honor God the best we can in the place we are. But right now, if you you say, I'm feeling isolated, I'm feeling alone, I'm feeling separated from God because I'm separated from his people. We want you to reach out to us. Let us know. Just send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or send a text to the number that we repeat over and over again. We'd love to hear from you. And we we are here to help you have an active, thriving faith. Now, we're in week three of a four-week series we're calling Light in a Dark World. And in this series, we're looking at the opening passages of the book of 1 John. And if you want to catch up on old messages uh, that you've missed in the past, you can. they're available all over the place. You can go on our website, on our app. They're on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube. But in two weeks, we're launching a new series. And this new series is called Love, Love Out Loud. And what we're going to, we're just going to keep working right through the book of 1 John and just kind of changing our focus. And we're going to focus in on what does Christian love look like. And as we prepare for that series, I want to encourage you if, to invite people to join with you uh, in engaging with CityWell. People like jumping in when new things start. And so a new thing is the new series. So it's a great time to invite new people. 
Our goal is to reach as many people as we possibly can with the life-giving message of the gospel. And we want to empower people then to go out and live lives for Christ, impacting other people. And right now in this digital world, little things like a like and a comment on a post that we make or on this live stream is huge at moving things forward and just the way the algorithms were getting it out in front of people. But but for us, what really is gold is is when you click that share button. And that, that seems silly probably. Why is the, the share so important? And it's two reasons. One, it's because you are inviting your network of people to start engaging with us with something as simple as clicking share. But for us, it's communicating that you trust us with your friends. And it's such a huge honor when we see you doing that. So enough, enough talking about that. Let's get into the topic for today. And the topic is sin. And some of you might be thinking, well, didn't we talk about sin last week? And yeah, we did. We did. But that's still where John's focus is. So that's still where we're going to focus. And I don't want you to worry. We're not, I'm not going to be preaching hellfire and brimstone. Actually, today is going to be much more of a philosophical discussion on sin. So let's look at the passage and then we'll start digging in. So today it's 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. 1 John 1, 8 to 10. And here the word of God says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. If we claim to have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in us. So we're talking sin. And I I want to encourage you that today it's not going to be to convince you that sin is bad. You already know that. It's not to convince you that you need to stop this specific sin because you already know that. What we're going to do is break down some misconceptions that are common. They're prevalent all over our society when it comes to sin and equip you to be able to better have spiritual conversations with people when these topics come up. Before we go into any further into this passage, though, we need to just define what is sin. And it's an ancient archery term. It just means missing your target. So you have a target, you get out your bow, you pull, pull it back, you release the arrow, you shoot, you miss the target, you sinned. That's where the term comes from. And God set up the, set up the target. He wants us to shoot for perfection. And I can guarantee we are all going to miss it every single time. That's why scripture has said, all have sinned. We all do. We all mess up. And the modern day church has kind of done some disservices when it comes to sin. Here's, here's how we have. What we do is we focus way too much on the sins of people who aren't part of the church and don't believe in Christ. And we focus too little on our personal spiritual formation and growing through and past the sin areas in our own lives. We don't want to turn inward, we turn outward instead, and it does a huge disservice to the gospel. Jesus, long ago, said, take the log out of your own eye before you try to deal with a speck in someone else's. So since whenever we witness the mark, and the first place we need to start when we're talking about it is looking inwardly, seeing how we're doing with the different issues and topics that come up. But in today's passage, though, John's going to address two different groups of people when it comes to sin. And the first group of people is people who say, I do not have sin. 
And this is an existential argument of their sinlessness. And then group number two is saying, I have not sinned. And they're justifying or rationalizing an individual action that they have done as not being sin. And for many of the us, these two arguments, they both come up on a regular basis. Maybe we make them ourselves or we hear people making them and using language that shows that they believe this. And in the conversation today, the word moral is going to come up a lot. And I know we're getting philosophical and I even dropped like the word existential a minute ago. I'm, I'm sounding smarter than I actually am for a little bit. But anyway, the word moral, it is our guiding principles. It is, it's the big picture, like how do we see the world? And based off of our moral compass, our morals, that's where we get into things like ethics. Ethics are the individual rules and the individual behaviors and actions, and they're all based off morals. But what we need to do is back up and look at our morals. Because if our morals are flawed, it's going to affect every area of our life. And if our society has, has a moral outlook that's flawed, it's going to negatively impact every area of the community. But if we get our morals right, we get everything else flows out of it. So we're going to keep coming back to morals this morning. And John's first statement is, if you claim to be without sin, we already said that this is, this is the belief of an individual's sinlessness. And maybe you think like people don't actually think they're sinless, but they do. This shows up in huge ways. And here's what we call this idea in society right now. The biggest way it shows up in what we call moral relativism. This is the belief that everyone can have their own truth. Everyone can set their own right and their own wrong. And within this, this worldview, the only real sin is to force your truth on someone else. So in a moral relative worldview, when you say there is absolute truth, you're sinning. Or if you don't celebrate someone else's truth, you're sinning. But aside from that, everything is good. Some terms that will show up around moral relativism is live and let live. Or people will say, you do you. Or what's right for you might not be right for me. But John says, if we claim to be without sin, the truth is not in us. Truth. That's moral relativism says that we all have our own truth. But John says, the truth, definitive truth. Jesus as he's on trial, he goes before Pilate. Pilate's wrestling with the same thing. What Pilate says is, what is truth? He asks that question to Jesus. And here's what scripture says. It says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. There's only one who's able to save and destroy. So scripture makes it clear that God's the one. He sets the law. He sets truth. And he's going to judge us on whether or not we actually lived out true truth. When it comes to moral relativism, when I was younger, this topic would come up and we'd start talking about how I, my generation was raised in a postmodern era. And that term is still thrown around at different points, but a lot of Christian apologists, people who study this a lot more than me, have, have said we are no longer live in a postmodern era. We have moved into a post-truth era. One of the best illustrations I've ever heard about this comes from the idea of driving. Have you ever been in the car with someone else and you get to a red light, you stop, it's a busy intersection, there's vehicles all around and you close your eyes for a second 
and then you open your eyes and instantly you have the feeling that you're moving backwards and you start to freak out a little bit because like, what is this person doing letting the car roll backwards? But in reality, you aren't moving backwards. The cars on either side of you have started moving forward and just your perspective because they're moving forward makes you feel like you're moving backwards that even though you aren't really, it's terrifying at first. But here's what eventually happens. You find a static object, something that's not moving at all. And that becomes your point of reference and instantly you feel better. Now, imagine for a second, you grew up in a society where the rules were always moving. The values were always moving. Truth was always moving. Everything's always moved. That's all you know. That's what your comfort is. And all of a sudden, if somebody comes along and says, there is absolute truth, a static object was inserted into a world that has always been moving. So it's disorienting for us when stuff starts moving, when we don't expect it. But to somebody who was raised in a post-truth worldview, the static nature of biblical Christianity is going to be disorienting for them. So probably many of us watching would say, when, when it comes to gender, there are only two genders. And the idea that there can be more than two genders is disorienting to us. Something that's moving that's not supposed to move. But somebody raised in a post-truth worldview, when we say there's only two genders, it's disorienting for them because everything's allowed to move. As modern day Christians, we need to be static in our morality, not moving. And it's going to be disorienting for people. And as we try to reach people with the gospel, though, I really believe our static nature, the static nature of biblical Christianity in a world that's always gonna, always been moving, will eventually open great doors for gospel conversations. See, when scripture calls something sin, it's sin, period. We can't change that. And we don't go out screaming, sinners repent from the rooftops, because we want to love people where they are. But our moral compass has always got a point to true north set by God. And, and when we stand firm on biblical principles and biblical morality, it will disorient people. Just like if you were in a car and you think the person driving is moving backwards in traffic, you're going to scream and you're going to shout and it's going to kind of make you twitch a little bit. People are going to lash out when we stand firm on biblical Christianity. Jesus warned us of this. He told us that people will attack us from our faith. But I want to encourage you, stand firm anyway, because eventually the static object is going to become their point of comfort. It will open the door for gospel conversations. So John's other statement then, the other group of people he talks to is people who have claimed we have not sinned. And this shows up in a couple different ways in our society. And the two big ones we're going to cover there are two big ones we're going to cover today. Both of them come back to mind games. We play mind games with ourselves. We try to convince ourselves. We try to convince others. We try to convince even God that what we did was not sin and all the reasons why. It's, it's, it's mind games. And there's this story of an old preacher. He, he had just finished speaking a message and he was talking on pride and had a young lady come up and she, she waited to speak to him, and he could tell she was distressed. And she says, man, I just need to confess a sin to you. So he asks, what sin is it? 
She says, it's the sin of pride. For I sit for hours before the mirror, some days, admiring my beauty. And some preacher, he just chuckles. He goes, oh, sweet child. That's not the sin of pride. That's the sin of imagination. All right, that was a joke, clearly. Don't be offended by that. But we all play mind games sometimes, don't we? We all make things up in our minds that aren't true to convince ourselves of things. So here's the two most common mind games I believe we are playing to convince ourselves, or other people around us are playing to convince ourselves, their selves. I have not sinned. The first we're going to call moral equivalence. And this term comes from t political debates. It's used in political debates a lot. It's when we justify our actions based on the actions of others. So here, here's some terms that you'll hear on moral equivalence. The first is, if it's good for you, then it is good for me. Or, no, what about? What about when you? What about when they? What about when he? What about when she? Here's what scripture has to say. And it's, it's Jesus right before he says, deal with the log in your own eye before you deal with the speck in somebody else's. This is what he says to people. He says, don't judge or you will be judged. For the way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. In other words, when you start playing the moral equivalence game, and you start looking at others saying, look how bad they are. They're going to turn the tables on you. And they're going to go, oh, let me show you how bad you are. Don't start pointing the finger at somebody else's flaws before you're willing to deal with their, your own. And I'm going to get dangerously political for a minute. Over the summer, we saw cities burning across America. And we watched as crowds went to the White House even. And they were pushing against the barricades at the White House and getting tear gassed. And there were a handful of people on one side of the political aisle who justified and argued away those incidents. Then this month, we had people from the other side of the political aisle storm our Capitol building. And we watched in horror of what has become of America. Now the debate seems to be which side was worse? Which side committed the bigger sin? Both sides, there are people saying, well, my followers were justified because, and my followers are, well, you've seen this debate. You've heard these different arguments. Can I just say neither side is justified? Neither side is without sin. Needless violence and destruction is wrong. Whether you are fighting for justice over the summer, that was the term being used, or you're fighting for law and order, that was the, that was the term being used this month. It was wrong on both sides. Today, tomorrow, I'm sorry, as a nation, we're celebrating Martin Luther King's birthday. So let's remember something he wrote shortly before his assassination in 1967. It comes from a series of essays he wrote while uh, he was away just reflecting on where he wanted to see the movement he had started go. And there, it's called, Where Do We Go From Here? Which seems like a, such a fitting question in a, our nation right now. But here's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, the ultimate weakness of violence is that the descending spiral begetting the very thing that it's seeking to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the, a liar, but you can't murder the lie. Nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder a hater, 
but you can't murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Then here's a quote, the quote that's probably the most famous and most applicable for this series. He, this quote ends typically with, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. As Christians, we need to stand outside of this dangerous game of moral equivalence that's quickly catapulting our nation into chaos. We can't take part of it in it. We're going to call out sin as sin, period. We can't say people that we agree with politically are, are right and justified in their actions while bashing people that we disagree with for the very same thing. Sin and lawlessness and divisiveness have no place in us as Christians. And let me tell you, this is hard. I am struggling with this. I'm preaching to myself right now because I got some political opinions and ideas and strong views, and I just want to spew them all over the place all the time. But more important than who's president, more important than who's in Congress, more important than who's on the Supreme Court is who's sitting on the throne in heaven because there is not a power in this land that has any hold over him. So moral equivalence. Now, I didn't sin because others did worse. Or we didn't sin because others did worse. <laughs> Actually, what most of us say is, I, I didn't sin because I'm better than Hitler, right? We go to the worst case scenario and we use that as our, our measuring rod. That has no place for Christians. Typically, if somebody is trying to say, I didn't sin because, and they're using a moral equivalent argument, here's what you need to know. They're probably struggling with a bitterness or unforgiveness for something maybe you did in the past that hasn't been dealt with. So rather than fighting with them to deal with the face value sin, it might be time to dig deeper and work to cut at the roots of the struggle and find the real healing. The other, the other thing that gets us when it comes to saying, I didn't sin, we're going to call it moral justification. Where So moral equivalence is typically a political term. Moral justification is typically a term used in therapy and in counseling. It's, it's a person justifying their actions because of the life circumstances and what's going on around them. And some terms that you'll hear for moral justification is all's well that ends well, or the ends justify the means, or I didn't see any other option. But here's what scripture says. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. In other words, no matter what life circumstance you get into, there is always a choice that allows you to avoid sin. The scripture doesn't say this choice is easy. It just says that God is there with you. He exists. The option is there, and God wants to help you through it. John makes it clear. When we downplay our sin, when we try to justify it, our actions, we make God's word to be a liar. We're basically saying God's word is not true when we argue away our sins because of life's circumstances. 
And when, you, when you're engaging with somebody who's trying to justify their actions, it's a great point to try to help walk with them through it. First, one thing you can walk with them through is the authority of Scripture. And it depends who it is. A lot of people might not be ready for that. What's even bigger is walking with them through understanding a grace-centered gospel, which is a good transition to the last part of today's passage. John says, if we confess our sins, and we're going to call this moral purification, moral purification. And now this term is one you're not going to be able to Google and find a bunch of information on. I more or less made it up for this message. And moral purification is when we know that we are sinful. We're sinners, but we're powerless on our own to do anything about it. So we choose to accept Jesus' grace and mercy. And that changes our outlook in life. So a term that you might hear around this is, but by the grace of God go I. What's scripture say? I'm just sticking right in John chapter 1, verse 9 again. It says, if we confess our sins, he, that's Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we get to the point where we know that there is truth, so there is sin and there is evil, and we move past the moral relative world view. And we, we stop comparing ourselves to others and using them as our measuring rod. And we stop making excuses for mistakes we've made because of what's going on around us. And we just come to God and say, God, I'm done denying, I'm done rationalizing, I'm done justifying my actions. I'm just handing them to you. Will you forgive me? Instantly, he does. Instantly, you have moral purification. You're morally pure in God's sight. You don't have to carry the weight anymore. He took the weight for you. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. In this world, if, if you grew up in a world that has never stopped moving, it may make you tired. You're weary. And then you're carrying the weight along with you. And maybe you're even trying to carry the weight while also pushing up and saying it's not actually sin and convincing yourself and others of that. You're heavy burdened. He says to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, come. I'm going to give you rest. In other words, he's going to give you peace in your heart. He's going to give you calm in your spirit. And that's going to give you the ability to heal. And that's only going to come through a relationship with Christ. So right now, if you've never put your faith in Christ, or maybe you did and you've, you've just been distracted, the world is distracted you and you're like, it is time to get myself right. I'd love for you. All it takes is in the quiet of your heart to say, Jesus, I'm in. But I'd love for you to reach out to us. And we, we want to help you walk through that and walk through growing in your relationship with Jesus. Can you just text the word Jesus to 610-590-8550 to let us know? We're here to help you grow in your faith. Now, everyone, this week, I expect social media to continue to be a hotbed of division. Can we fix our eyes on Jesus? Can we stand firm on his word this week and say, you know what, for myself, I'm going to choose to be a lighthouse. I'm going to choose to shine Christ's light into society. I hope you, you can make that choice through this week. Let me pray for you. 
Jesus, we come before you right now. I, I first lift up anybody who's never put their faith in you. If you're pulling on their heart right now, pray that your Holy Spirit does that work and they, they step into a relationship with you. And I pray for everybody else. Help us this week and in the coming weeks and the coming months to stand firm on your word. Let it be the guiding principles of the morality, the worldview that we take. Let it influence our decisions and our actions. I pray that you continue to do a work to transform our hearts. Pray this in your name. Amen. in knowing more about starting a relationship with Jesus, or if you decided to start a relationship with Jesus today, we want to know, and we want to walk alongside you on this new journey. So text the word Jesus to 610-590-8550, and someone will be in contact with you just to be able to talk through what decision you made or what decision you might make. Yes, and if you'd like to give, you have there's multiple ways to do that. You can go to the app, um, you can go online to give, or you can mail in a check. Um, I prefer the checks. So, yes, old school. Yes, you know, I do. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So this morning we were able to host our first watch party, and we are so excited about that. Um, it is nice to have a small gathering of people just to be able to watch the service together. So if you had a watch party at your house this morning, let us know. Um, or if you're interested in joining our watch party, just let us know. You can text that phone number um, with whatever, and we'll be able to message you back there. Um, or if you're interested in starting your own watch party in your own home, you can also text us and just let us know, and we can help you get started with that. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We look forward to meeting with you again next week.